0: The Baseball 365
1: Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston.
0: Welcome to episode 134 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365 Pod. I am on Twitter myself at Justin Hughes 365, and Andrew is on Twitter at AMCQ82. Give us a follow; love to connect with you there. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, it is Baseball 365. Over there, we have close to 3,000 members talking about baseball every day of the week, year, month, hour. Okay, not 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 really hour, but I mean, I it almost feels like there's a post every hour, and especially when you get into the season. I think we average more than a post an hour, but great people in the group talking about baseball, the signings that are going on right now and everything else. Some people are, I've seen some people posting about dynasty league openings or fantasy league openings, and that'll continue going all throughout the off season. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. If you leave us a five-star rating and write a nice review for us, it's a great way to help us get our names out there. And if you do that, we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. So it's been a bit since we've been here. Uh, World Series has come and gone. And that means NFBC drafts are underway. And Andrew has already jumped into one. And it just finished up this last week. And on this episode, we're going to discuss a lot of his picks. And get Andrew's thoughts during the draft or what he was thinking during the draft, as well as his feelings after finishing the draft and looking back at it. So I think this will be a lot of fun as we're, I guess, now that the off season's here, it's time to start thinking about next year. And let's get Andrew on. And, Andrew, I got a the question for you. I think anybody who follows um, me on Twitter knows that last weekend I went to Minneapolis For a weekend watching aew pro wrestling i managed to put a poster up and get baseball 365 on national tv at least a little plug had a great time i know you're really into the nfl too so i'm going to remove that option here but so baseball and football are removed here so what non-baseball or football event is tops on the list of things that you would love to go to it can be a concert golf NBA Final Four, whatever it is. Man,
1: you know i I thought about this for a while, and I had a hard time coming up with something. Really? I, yeah, I, I'm a, i am I mean, I like college basketball. I've been to, I've been to the Final Four um, uh, when my team. I'm I'm a Duke fan, so I was. I guess going to Cameron Indoor Stadium, I would like, but. I was trying to think of a non-sports thing too, and it's like there's nobody like I have to see in concert. And there was just nothing jumping out at me that I was like, "That's it." And I actually thought about it quite a bit. So
0: no, what did I you say about if Cameron? I something what?
1: Cameron no. Indoor Stadium is where Duke plays. Okay. I'm a Duke fan and have been my whole life, and I've never been there. So that would be that's yeah. something I'd love to cross cross off the list. But um, I just didn't have a i don't know nothing like popped like when i was thinking about it so i don't know it's a tough one
0: okay well you gave one cameron indoor stadium i'm not gonna say
1: i'm not gonna say that i've done everything though either because i haven't but yeah what what would you uh what would you say what's yours
0: you know i wrote this question for you and i never once thought of my own but as you were talking i was like he may flip this back to me so i need to think it real quick and you know the the uh, concert that's been on my like to do list, bucket list thing that I'd love to do is go see U two. I'd love to go see U two. Yeah. I just hear that they're awesome live and great experience. I'm I, I'm I'd consider myself like a moderate U two fan. They're not usually top of the list of bands I go to listen to. I do some days, but yeah, I think that that might be up there if we're removing baseball and football, um, sport wise. I don't really think I have anything else that would yeah, be Yeah, I like
1: too the bad. I like some of the golf stuff, but I feel like it would be a rough watch live. Yeah. Um so I'd never been that into feeling like I have to go, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just didn't have anything that stuck out, so
0: well, you gave one. You gave going to a Duke <laughs> yeah, home guess. game. I thought Final Four was going to be yours, but I didn't know you had been to one before. So that yeah, was, that's I, I we went learned.
1: when they uh, when they won the national championship in 2015. I was there. Really? Where was that? It was that in, at? in in Indy. Oh, that's not far. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that was good. What with my dad, it was a good day.
0: All right, so. The World Series ended. We've got a World Series champ, and we're not going to spend much time going into that. But congratulations to the Braves! I think everybody other than the other than the state of Texas was cheering for you to win that World Series. So, congrats to them. But Andrew, you were in a league in a NFBC draft uh, the next day, weren't you? Or at least it, like you joined a league to do a draft.
1: I think it was the. It was like two days after, I think. Yeah, they it was right w- it, when they opened up. I, I think the season ended on a Tuesday, and that Thursday, it opened up and we started drafting pretty quick. So you got
0: that. You got that. Um, it was uh, that was when they opened up and they're too quick. Because right when you said it'd been one day, I was drinking water and I was about ready to spit out the word slacker.
1: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they were open. To, I mean, I was watching it, and right when they said that they were live, I signed up for one. So, and I think it started the same day that I signed up. So,
0: and pick. Um, why don't you tell everybody what pick number you had?
1: You yeah, so they do. Uh, they do a KDS, which anybody. I mean, I know most people are familiar, but you pretty much just anybody that doesn't know, you just rank the slots uh, one through fifteen. It's a fifteen team. Draft and hold. Um, you just rank the slots, and then there's a random run where they. Uh, it's like you, the first person that's picked. If their first choice is like in this draft, for example, the guy who got picked first, his first choice was 15, so he picked 15th. Wow. And I actually, and I actually was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. I think he was 15, but I was the second one, whatever the first guy was. I think he was 15. Um, and I got, I just left mine one through 15 because I didn't, I didn't feel really strongly about where I wanted to pick. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it this way, do a draft and then kind of see how I feel about it. And, um, yeah, I, I got the, got the first picks.
0: Nice way to start off. Pick number one one, and with that pick, you took Mister Fernando Tatis Jr. So my first questions, um, my first question was: Were there any options you were considering here, or were you pretty set once you saw your pick and one that he was your guy?
1: Uh, I was pretty set. I would say. I mean, I, that doesn't mean that there's other guys that are wrong or. You know, like if somebody else was picking 1-1 and they didn't take him and they took somebody else, I I think that there's probably a handful of guys or a few that you could take that I wouldn't uh, be like, wow, that's crazy. And, I mean, I think everybody knows who they are. So I, I didn't really strongly consider anybody else, but I think that, um, yeah, I think there's a few others that are fine if you want to take them.
0: So... The shoulder thing we've talked. I know we talked about it before. I think we when we just recorded last, he had already said, or I I can't. I'm not certain, but he mentioned that he is not planning on having that surgery. Yeah. So, do, do you, does that make you feel stronger in terms of like more comfortable having drafting him one one? Like if he had if he had had surgery a month ago, would you still? You think you would have taken him?
1: It's hard to say. I don't know for sure. I mean, I do think that if you're worried about it, I mean, you can take Trey Turner, you can take Juan Soto, you can, you know, there's other guys you can take that it's fine. You know, like, it's kind of like, I mean, all these guys are obviously studs. So um, if you're not comfortable with it, I get it. I mean, like, it's fine to take somebody else. I, I'm not overly concerned about it, but. Like I said, I get it if you are. I mean, 130 games, I think it was 42 and 25 or something like that. I mean, he just does everything. It's such a good base for your team. And not to on top of it, he's dual eligible this year. And I tell you, that shortstop outfield, it's just beautiful. Like, it's great. So it's a combination that not a lot of guys have, too. And uh, I feel like that's really valuable. So, yeah, I mean he's my first pick now. Um, if we get, it's one of those where I am not opposed to changing my, like it's possible. I might change my mind in a month or two or three, you know, I we will kind of see how the off season goes. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the top guy on the board. So I went with him.
0: It's fascinating. I'm at their roster resource page right now. And they've, I mean,
1: it's the beginning of the off
0: season. We don't know about this, but, He's slated at shortstop right now, and they have Adam Frazier in left field with Cronenworth at second, and it's they could pretty much just mix those guys up and put Tatis right back in the outfield if they want to, if, he's, yeah. if his shoulder's bothering him. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I think I'm with you. With him announcing it at this point, It man, it will suck if, like, January comes around and he decides he's going to have surgery. But I don't think he's going to do it because at that point he knows he's going to miss the majority of the season. To where right. I think I think I would do it too at this point. I'm I'm not gonna dive too much into this, but I do I'm gonna read off the rest of the first round here. Uh after you took Fernando Tatis at one, Trey Turner went at two, Juan Soto at three, Corbin Burns went fourth, Ronald Acuna at five, Walker Bueller six, T- Bo Bichette seven, Shohei Otani eight Jose Ramirez, number 9. Garrett Cole at number 10. Brandon Woodruff at 11. Vlad Jr. at 12. Mike Trout at 13. Max Scherzer at 14. And Bryce Harper on the, on the wheel at 15. Did anything jump out to you with these picks as you were watching them happen or looking looking at them?
1: Uh, I think, I mean, not really. I, it, these guys, it's... Pretty much the names I think you're going to see in the first round for the most part throughout the offseason. I mean, not necessarily in this order, but um, I think the most surprised I was was probably Bueller at six. But I also like don't think it's a bad pick if that's the route you want to go. Like if you want a pitcher and that's how you, like you he – his build, you know, he took Bueller and then he took Urias in round two. So two pitchers, first two rounds, like if that's the way that you want to go, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's really like a build thing kind of, because you can take any of these guys and it's not like bad pick. I mean, I don't feel like they are most of these guys. So um, that was probably the one that surprised me. I think uh Jose Ramirez at 9 is an absolute steal. Like I think he should go higher than that. But yeah, other than that I I think it was similar to what you're going to see kind of throughout the offseason.
0: I agree with you on Ramirez starting there. I I've as I've been looking at ranks and um, thinking about that, I think I've, I I like I'm looking at where I had him in my ranks when we did our first round. A couple months ago, and I had Jose Ramirez at nine at that point, and I think I'd have him a little higher now. What um what also stuck out to me. I mean, the, my biggest standout was Corbin Burns at four, because when we did our draft, like draft, I had him at three, and I remember the feedback from that podcast. People listening was, man, if Co- I I definitely remember one league mate saying, if Corbin Burns is going fourth overall, I ain't gonna have any shares of him. And so I was surprised to see him there go go forward, just coming off of that conversation, because I knew I was being aggressive when I had him there. And honestly, I don't think I would take him there now, just as a strategy. He'd probably be a little later. I think I'd still take him as my first pitcher, but I I don't think I'd take any pitchers in the top four or five. Yeah, so that, I think that's
1: I think that's the thing with you know, like if you're in that spot and you want to take a pitcher and Burns is your top pitcher, that's who you're taking, yes. you know? So, um, everybody's going to have various strategies that are going to kind of change the order around, you know, as you move through it. But, um, for the most part, I mean, I think these guys are going to be first rounders. I, I tell you, if I'm sitting on a wheel and I can get Bryce Harper, I'm loving that. I, I, I feel like he should go higher too, but I mean we've we've said it a million times. It's like still underrated. He he uh, won that MVP too, so
0: yes, he did. And v- Vlad Jr. at twelve also surprised me. That's my other one. I was like, wow. I just I yeah. guess I wasn't expecting to see him going that late, coming off of what would have been an MVP season just about any other year. Which I know there's no speed there, but ma- man, I mean. That's a pretty big difference between him and Juan Soto in this when you're 3 and 12. I mean, you could make an argument for Vlad over Soto in a draft, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a good spot to get him.
0: So. Now, again, for team construction, it's tough cuz you're taking a guy that's not providing any speed, but man, that Blue Jays lineup. Okay. So yeah, let's definitely. Let's get into the second round here. Uh, I'm going to spit off 16 through 29, all the way up till Andrew's second round picks at 30 and third and third round pick at 30 and or 31. Uh, 16 overall, Kyle Tucker. I really like that Bryce Harper Kyle Tucker combo in terms of power speed, right there. Uh, Ozzie Albies went 17th, Mookie Betts went 18th, Zach Wheeler 19. Jacob DeGrom over there at 20 overall. Then we got Cedric Mullins. Luis Robert at 22. Freddie Freeman. Rafael Devers. Julio Urias jumping up right in at 25. Uh, Next to him, Shane Bieber. Liam Hendricks, the first closer off the board at 27 overall. Jordan Alvarez and Robbie Ray. So, Andrew, we're up. um, What picks jumped out to you seeing these guys?
1: Well... Again, all studs. I mean, there's really, um, I tell you, I, I think I've been playing NFBC since I was thinking about this. Um, I want to say maybe 2015, roughly. And I am pretty certain I have never seen a closer going round two. Yeah. So that was pretty eye-popping since this draft where Liam Hendricks went 27 I saw him go at the wheel in another draft
0: wait the one-two wheel
1: the one-two wheel 16 overall Jeez. yeah so that yeah that was like kind of the the shock moment I guess I mean Mullins we kind of talked about like the first time he went off the board but I really wasn't that surprised I mean I've kind of I think I prepped myself for it so much <laughs> that when I saw it, I just wasn't that surprised. You know, I was a little surprised to see Urias go that high, uh, but he's probably going to go, you know, pretty high now, like two, three, round two, round three. So, um, but yeah, most of these guys, I mean, I wasn't too surprised. But yeah, seeing a closer going round two, like I said, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that ever. I've seen him going round three, and uh, you know, Hader went in round three in this draft, but I. Hey. I don't think I've ever seen them going around, two. That doesn't mean they never have, but it's just in the drafts I've been in, I've never seen it.
0: Definitely has sticker shocks in that one. I mean, that that's the biggest shock to me looking at this group, that Liam Hendricks, a, a closer, gets moved into it. And I, We've talked about this, especially early in the offseason. Getting those reliable closers is feels more important than even when you're drafting later in the offseason. But dang, man. Yeah that's a you're passing on some really good talent to take a closer in the end of the second round there.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: So you're picking at 30 and 31 here. What are you thinking here as it's getting your picks and, um, why don't you tell everybody who you ended up taking? Well,
1: I was kind of, um, I was kind of mulling over a few options. Uh, the one that was easy was Starling Marte. I, I, so like Mullins, Robert Marte all going round two. And I feel like you could put those guys in any order, personal preference, whatever. Um, and I got Marte, you know, several picks after those guys went and, um, yeah, I mean, it just, he kind of just gives you everything, gives you the floor and batting average, gives you the speed, like stuff that's kind of scarce. So I like that. Um, And I also took Machado on this turn and I was close to taking, I would say the two guys that I really thought about um, were Josh Hader and Lucas Giolito were like the other, the other guys I was strongly considering. And I think it really just, for me, it kind of came down to, I feel like this this year, at least right now, and I reserve the right to change my mind. But I feel like that the the pitching is just deeper, uh, the starting pitching. I know we've talked about it, but last year, that group of guys that I felt with being or felt good about being my top pitcher or SP two, whatever, it was. It, it just dropped off pretty fast. And as I went through this draft, um, I still felt like I got good pitching without taking anybody in the top three rounds. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of felt that and wanted to try it because I was like, okay, you know, if I hate it when I'm done, then maybe I won't do that. Um, but yeah, it just kind of made me go uh bad, bad there. And it with hater, I, I could have probably done it, and uh, it may have been okay, but yeah, it's still like taking a closer in that spot for me is still tough. So,
0: yeah, I mean, taking a closer over Manny Machado, it's just hard to. Yeah, l- look at those two and actually think, yes, I want to take the closer over Manny Machado. Um, yeah, the
1: other thing is too is Machado is providing you with some steals too. I know yes. it's not a ton, probably, but. Even if he gets, like, 8 to 12, I think it was 10 or 12 this year. Pulling um, right now. That's – at third base, I mean, that's something. You know, yep. it's, it's definitely not a zero. So, yeah, I just really like the five-category um, contributions I'm getting there to start my team off with Tatis and Marte and Machado. So,
0: you know, these pop-up guy pitchers, I, I really – get hesitant of them that i felt that way about a lot of the late second round pitchers last year the that i just there were a lot of guys i just weren't buying into like I, i'm not ready to feel like okay this guy's locked in as being an ace i um the, the the diamondbacks guy what was his name uh
1: zach gallon
0: yeah zach Gallen. there was um Jack Flaherty was one I was like, I'm not ready to put him into the ace category yet. And There's a few other guys that were like that that were going right around then, and then it got even more ugly. And when I look at the second-round guys this year, I mean, Urias, I, I actually do feel pretty good about Urias, but Bieber, I'm not completely sold up between his shoulder and everything else. Robbie Ray's going there. Zach Wheeler's going in the early second. And when I see the pitchers going in the fourth round in this draft, I'm like, I don't see a big gap between them. I mean, yes, I I think I would take Wheeler above some most of them, but I don't know how strongly I feel about it to where, yeah, I definitely am in agreement with you in terms of what it differs from years past where I'd rather just get the power speed guys because I think I said this at the end of the season, but i finished really strong in all my leagues last year and there were two categories i finished that that i think kept prevented me from finishing in first instead of second and third and that was stolen bases and saves and i don't know what to do about like saves i think is one of the things you just lock into luck into in some ways but stolen bases that can be deter- you can change that just by drafting more speed early because that's where you got to get your speed without hurting yourself so I love that. Yeah. I mean, the Marte pick specifically, I freaking love that. I I knew you knew you you knew I'd say that anyways, but yeah, I I think Marte is a sixteen to twenty pick overall, and you're getting him at thirty here. And you got this. yeah.
1: I I just feel like with Marte and Machado, if they disappoint, like this year going into you know twenty twenty two, if they disappoint. I still feel like they're going to perform like a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder. Yes. To where it's not going to just break me, you know? And some of these pitchers, I mean, I just, I feel like they're, and even, even a few of the hitters taken up here too, but I just, I think those guys are pretty safe to at least give me like pretty good production. You know, I'm not saying that they'll, blow away their ADP taking them at 30 31 but I also think that there's floor that you can't deny with these guys so I kind of like that
0: yeah love it and I definitely was curious as you told me those first three let's see what this pitching staff looks like and we're going to take a break here and then we'll come back and we're going to start talking about the next round. like start focusing more on Andrew's picks and less about the rest of the league we'll be right back All right, Andrew, so we we finished round one through three and another 28 picks later. Is that right? 28, 29, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's a long wait. It is a (laughs) long
0: wait. We get back to you, and the question was what pitchers were going to get there for you and be there on the way back around, and would you take one? Would you take two? Would it be ugly enough that you just ditched it all together and – you ended up getting a very familiar a f- very familiar name for your round four pick, which was Lance Lynn, who I think was one of your guys last offseason. And then in the fifth round, you took Eloy Jimenez. So you got your first pitcher here. And since you didn't take an arm in the first three rounds, why'd you go with Eloy over a second starting pitcher? That would be my follow-up there on these two guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think I might have done it if – freddie peralta got to me i might have gone Lynn and peralta uh he went two picks before um because i know freddie peralta has innings questions and some of that is kind of canceled out by lynn because i don't feel that way as much about him Mm -hmm. so i may have done that but it was really just about the names like i i knew i was going to take lynn and i was kind of looking at the other guys and like, just the ones that went right after. I mean, in round five, the starters were Max Freed, Jose Berrios, still and Cease, Darvish, and Manoa. Um, I would have liked to get Darvish, but I was hoping, you know, like the next, the following turn. I mean, I didn't really know where he would go because he's been a little all over the place. Like, I feel like he's a guy that some drafts he's going to go a little higher, some drafts he's going to slip. So it was hard to say, but I wasn't going to take him there. And... Um, yeah, I just was kind of like, you know what? Eloy last year was a third round pick. He got hurt in spring training and he's healthy now. Like, I don't think going into next season, there's any reason to really feel differently about him than you did this time last year. Yep. So I I kind of was just like you know what, and I thought about Altuve because I still do like him, um, but I felt like I could get second base. You know, I knew there was more other guys that I would like, and I was just like, I'm just gonna go with Eloy here at four or five and know that you know that's I still feel like the huge season could be in there, and he's healthy again, and you know we'll see what happens. So yeah, that was the route I monster. went. Yeah, that was the route I went, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like once they get deeper into the draft, you start kind of looking back in some of these early picks and thinking about like, man, maybe I would have done that differently. And I don't know so much about that, but I definitely had a little bit of thoughts about the Machado and Eloy picks when I got a little later in the draft. I'll talk about it a little more once we get further down the board.
0: Okay. So we'll just move on then to your next two picks on the next turn or Ketel Marte at the end of round six and uh, beginning around seven, Charlie Morton. So you win another pitcher bad here and you have Lynn and Morton as your starting pitchers one and two. Um, I can't confirm this, but I'm assuming at this point you have the oldest average age of starting <laughs> pitchers in this league. I did look and the guy that took Max Scherzer is paired with rice, rice, Alex and Joe Musgrove. So you're yeah. definitely older than that guy's team. <laughs> so yeah, pretty great there. Um, anything to add on that or your keytail pick? Yeah, I tell you,
1: I don't – I just don't care about age in redraft leagues that much. I mean, especially with pitchers when, you know, like – we all want the young pitcher that flies through the roof and breaks out. And, you know, Trevor Rogers this year, and, uh, Gosman. I mean, he's not really young, but you know, like there was several pitchers that shot up and they're going to go a lot higher this year. Um, but like the thing with guys like Lynn and Morton and even some of the guys I took a little bit later, I know that I don't have to worry about innings with those guys. Like, I just don't have to worry about it. I mean, granted, if they're hurt, that's different. And I'll admit, they're older, they could break down. I mean, it's, it's within the realm of possibility. But um, some of these younger guys, the performance that you have, that like your expectation level for their performance, I feel like it's more volatile. And I also feel like the innings are more volatile. And I just don't know what I'm getting quite as much as I do with Guys like that. So I don't care that much about their age. I mean, yeah, they're old, but like in a one year league, I mean, it's different in a dynasty, but like in a one year league, it just, it just doesn't matter to me that much with the Cattell Marte pick. I dual eligible high floor guy, uh, batting average. I really wanted to focus on, I feel like batting average is a little bit scarce. I feel like people ignore it a lot. Um, and I think getting guys that just hit for good batting averages, for the most part, I know it's a volatile statistic, but if you have a lot of those guys, I think you can just accumulate a lot there and um, creates like a high floor for your offense as a whole. Uh, But I did want to focus a lot through this draft on dual eligibility because I wanted to take more pitchers this year than I typically have in the past. I had a lot of pitchers hurt last year and Mm -hmm. just guys, you know, where I just wanted to draft more than I have in the past. And um, so with, you know, more dual eligibility on the offensive side, it, the more flexibility you have there allows you to do that. So I kind of targeted some of those guys and bumped them up a little bit. Yeah. Keitel's is one of the safest
0: guys in the league in terms of batting average. I like the pick, especially given how much speed you've already acquired. Yeah. I thought that was a real good one. Uh, moving on to picks eight and nine, Pablo Lopez—he lowered your average starting pitcher age there with his <laughs> twenty-five years and eight months age, right a, as of now. And Christian Yelich and the ninth round—and that's the story here. Pick one twenty-one overall, and you know I think I was down and out on Yelich before most others during the season last year. You know we got the famous dynasty ranks where I had him down I think at 50 overall everyone knew his price was going to drop in a big way this offseason he was a first round pick a year ago I think he 10 12th overall was his typical ADP but dang 121 is later than I expected him to go but you know that said as I look it's it is pretty rough to look at his 2021 line of a 248 batting average with nine home runs and nine stolen bases in 117 games. So, I mean, obviously this guy was an MVP candidate just two years ago. Or, I guess, yeah, 2019. How are you feeling about taking him here at 121?
1: Man, I, I gave a lot of thought on this one when I took him. And honestly, I, I feel just okay about it. Like, I don't think... It's great. I mean, obviously, I, I think it could pay off. I don't think it's great. Like, some people look at it, and, you know, I feel like the takes on Yelich are going to be pretty hard one way or the other. Like, I'm either – I want him or I don't want nothing to do with him. So, I kind of fall in the middle of that, I guess. But I I felt like it was about the right spot. You know, like, as I look at these guys around him, um, like Austin Meadows, who went – in the middle of this round. So he went a a little after I took Yelich. Um, I mean, I don't know who's who I'd rather have. I mean, I took Yelich. I would rather have Yelich. I should say that, but I don't like, I think it's very possible that Meadows is better. I think it's very possible that some of these other guys that went after are better. So, I mean, they were this year, you know, so he's definitely going to have to bounce back a pretty good bit to return value here. Um, you really just hope he doesn't kill you, but yeah, I'm kind of, as far as how I feel about the pick, it's, I've had some people say, Oh my God, it's great. And I'm like, "Eh, ah, thanks. But like, I just, it's kind of wait and see for me. Like it felt like the right spot. We'll see what happens. But, um, I wouldn't say I like love or hate the pick. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I felt like the right spot. So. Yeah. As you just mentioned
0: that I just opened up the draft board to look at all these outfielders going after him, and, that's a. I'm cringing as I'm looking at them compared to Yelich. Just in terms of those are the other alternatives. It's like ugh. And what that's telling me, like I'm not sure what I'd do with Yellich in terms of there, but seeing that is making me even feel more like I want to get outfielders early, because wow, that gets ugly in the ninth yeah. tenth round of, if you're taking these guys that, I mean, Adoles Garcia is going in that same round. Am I going to take Adoles Garcia and feel good about it? Oh, that would,
1: no, no. Uh, Yeah. Lord of Yeah. It's just one, it's just one draft, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I'm, um, I'm, I'm going down even the next couple rounds and I'm, I'm really struggling to find anybody.
1: I definitely just going off of what you said there, but I definitely do not want to wait on outfield. I definitely don't. I was talking about this with somebody the other day, but, um, you know, there's nothing worse than having a messy outfield when you get into the season, it's just horrible. I, I, if you wait forever on second base or third base or whatever position you have one slot that you have to fill. And if you're outfield, if you just wait on outfield, it's like, oh, I get it. We all like late outfielders. I mean, there's, there's outfielders in round 16, 17, 18 that were like, oh, he could break out and pop up or whatever. We all have those guys we're going to like. But I don't feel like you should go into it assuming that those guys are going to take that step because you have to fill five slots. And it's just I think it's really good to have two or three of those outfield slots that you're like. I feel pretty good with that. And I got Marte, Eloy, who I feel great about. Yelich, we'll see. But I also got Tatis, Tatis. and Marte, uh, Ketel uh, Marte. I always call him Ketel. I don't know why, but uh, whatever it is. Ketel Marte, who I can put in the outfield. And then that allowed me later to take middle infielders that maybe if they crack the lineup, I move you know, those guys to outfield, et cetera. So kind of the flexibility that I like there, but. Yeah, I just, I feel like you should not wait too long to get your outfield going. It's just, it can get rocky. I remember a team I had, I had one team this past year where it was like that. And it was like, every week I'm looking at my outfield, it was just gross. It was like four slots that were just interchanging and none of them, you know, it's just rough. So I just wouldn't uh, wait too long on that.
0: I'm with you. Looking at this more, I'm and I, I am seeing some guys in the 16th, 18th round. I like in terms of that price, but I'm also that you want to have one. Though, like I'm thinking, I need to get him early, so I'm not trying to take him here in this ninth to 12th round range. Yeah. Okay. Uh, round 10 and round 11, we got Josh Bell, one of another one of our guys that we both liked last off season that we talked about a lot during the season. And reliever Camilo Duval, am I saying that right?
1: Yeah, believe yeah, so, yeah.
0: The fireball reliever for the, the I almost said San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> it's definitely still football season right now. Uh, Josh Bell, we've already talked about him. He started horribly, which makes his end of season stat line look weaker. But he was really good after mid to late May. I like that pick. Um, we talked about that on the episode where guys whose season lines maybe mask their strong finish to the year, and he was on that episode. So I'd re- we don't really need to go too much into that unless you want to add anything. But Camilo Duvall, electric arm, probably their best closing option right now, but this is a veteran team. Well, the Giants typically are a team that sign veterans. You would think they'd sign someone to pitch in the ninth, but... Let me ask you, if I set it at 50-50 right now, one way or the other, you got to lean, do you think Duvall is more or less likely to be their opening day closer right now?
1: I mean, they could always sign somebody, but if I had to pick is he or isn't he, I mean, yeah, I think I think he's going to be the closer. Okay.
0: So, but regardless, you got yourself an electric arm here to where you know, it's so hard to predict saves with a lot of players right now because roles are so undefined in the majority of teams. What I do like about this is you're getting yourself a reliever that has an electric arm that, if anything else, you're going to get great ratios out of. And odds are pretty good at least some point next year, even if he's not starting the year. He's got a good chance of getting saves some point during the season if he's not at this, the whole year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's kind of how I look at this. Cause I know that it's a little bit of sticker shock here, taking him at 10, 11 turn. Um, so I took him here as the 13th closer off the board. Um, like I said, Hendricks went in round two, Hader went in round three. Um, and then, you know, they're obviously Iglesias and Chapman, all the, all the guys that we, we've kind of come to know. There gets to a point pretty quick, at at least this time of year. And keep in mind, it's obviously November. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and the time the season starts. Uh, But there just aren't – like, at what point do you start feeling like you don't know if the guy's going to get saves? Because for me, it's about round six in this draft. And I counted there are – So Hendricks, Hayter, Emmanuel Classe, Edwin Diaz, Iglesias, Presley, Jansen, Aroldis, and maybe Will Smith. Will Smith was the ninth one off the board in this draft. Will Smith went in round six. Round seven. These are the 10, 11, and 12th relievers off the board in this draft. Giovanni Gallegos. Middle around seven, Jordan Romano, and Craig Kimbrel. Jeez, and then there was no relievers until I took Duvall in round eleven. So, I guess my point is, like, Giova, I'm going to focus on Gallegos because I do I think Gallegos is a really good pitcher that could potentially get saves, but I don't feel like he's a lock to get them. And I feel the same way about Duvall four rounds later. Other than, I mean, and I will admit, you can take the argument that Gallegos has a longer track record of being a good pitcher. I'll give him that. Um, But yeah, I mean, it kind of just shows you that most teams this early in the offseason, they're not getting a locked-in closer. I mean, unless you're taking one in the top six, seven rounds, I mean, Kimbrell... Who even knows, you know, I think he's probably going to wind up a closer, but will he be effective and will he even be the closer? Like I'm guessing too, you know, I think Romano's probably locked in, but you know what I'm saying? It just starts to get iffy right there. So I felt good about taking Duvall here. I mean, I'll admit, you know, they could sign somebody and he could not be the closer, but also they trusted him late in the year. He was awesome. Kapler obviously believes in him. So, I mean, I think there's things to like. And I, I see a lot of Emmanuel Classe in him, honestly. Like, they're very similar to me. It's just now Classe's going higher because he has the job. But, yeah, I don't know. I just It felt like the right spot to me, even though I'll fully admit, you know, he's probably not a lock to get saves. But, God, at this point in the draft, you're already kind of like, who is? so.
0: So, to that last point, do you wish – looking earlier you had taken one of the other guys
1: um i was gonna take chapman at six seven turn if he got there but he didn't get there he didn't go yeah and um i may have taken kenley but he went before that too and then once it got to me will smith went and i'm like okay i'm not taking anybody else so
0: just the way it not, fell that's the hard yeah, part about the being on the fell. wheel
1: just the way it fell, but then also too, you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe I maybe I should have taken Hater at two three. Like I did think that too, but there's, I mean, there's always woulda, coulda, shoulda in a draft. You know, it's like I didn't hate how it turned out as I went through the draft later on, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard this early in the off season to get a guy that's locked in for saves that you absolutely know is going to get them. I mean, and I, you know, even Emmanuel Classe, who went in round five and has got all the hype going into this season, it's like, I just, I mean, I think he's the closer, but we also thought Karinczak was a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you right now, if though Karinczak is ignored, I mean, he went, I actually was targeting him in this draft and he went in like round 27. They're just flipped. They flipped. And I, and I'll tell you this, man. If we get to spring training and Klasse can't find the strike zone and Karinczak is the closer, I will not be remotely surprised. It yeah. will not surprise me one bit if that happens. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think a is probably the guy. And I think Klasse is great. I mean, I've, I had him in – I think at one point I might have had him in every Dynasty League. But, I, I mean, I do. I like him. But he's not cheap anymore, as you can see by looking at this draft board. So yeah, it's just tricky, man. like these guys it's it's like a balance of wanting the secure thing, but how many of those are there and trying to find the ones that could shoot up the board, et cetera. so
0: Good stuff there. Okay. Uh, we're gonna shoot now through rounds 12 through 20 and just reading listing them off for your picks. Uh, Clayton Kershaw went at round 12. We got Justin Turner at round 13. Adam Wainwright at 14. Blake Trinan at 15. Uh, Tommy Pham at round 16. Jonathan VR, then Gary Sanchez, Mark Canna and Yadier Molina there at round 20. My first thought looking at a list at this list, man, that's a lot of veterans. <sighs> average age 30 plus with this right here was that done on purpose?
1: Kinda I mean I I don't know if I would say done on purpose but I'm just really in this stage of the draft trying to lock in guys that I think are gonna get at bats and I think are at bats or innings whatever and I think that I did that with all these guys except you could argue VR who's a risk for that, but in that spot of the draft, he's third base shortstop with what he could potentially do if he falls into the right spot. I mean, he went, I think 18 and 14 this past year, and we kind of know what VR is. I get it. It's round 17, but um, other than him, I feel like I got guys that are going to play and like, you know, there's, there's guys to get drafted in this range that have risk of that. So, I feel like I locked in that. But you, when you do that, you got to go a little older a lot of times. So that's kind of what I did.
0: Clayton Kershaw, he going close to 10 rounds later, I think he was like at ADP round three or four last year. Yeah, now, I think it
1: was like, yeah, like early round three, I think. So
0: now he's going round 12 here. I think you took him before the Dodgers chose to not send that qualifying offer. I can't remember when that happened, but – I own Kershaw in both of my dynasty leagues. I'm even more concerned about him for tw- like I'm I'm getting concerned about him for 2022. The fact that the Dodgers chose not to even send him an offer. Did that alarm you for starters? Do you do you remember if you took him before that happened?
1: Yeah, I took him before that happened. Yeah.
0: Would you have taken him later knowing that happened?
1: Um, It's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I, you know, I know at this point, it's like, he kind of just stood out a little bit. I, th- I think the reason I say that is, you know, like just, just to name off a few names, but like Ranger Suarez went before him. Um, well, I guess there wasn't oh really cool start, any starters, but then like, um, Tariq Scooble right after him, Justin Verlander right after him, Mike Clevenger right after him. Um, There's a lot of question marks here. I mean, we're not – these guys aren't uh, like locks, none of them. And to me, with Kershaw, it's all health. It's all health. And I'll admit, like, I don't know – I don't have like a ridiculous amount of confidence that he's going to get through the season fully healthy and all that stuff. I don't. But I also knew that I was going to take a lot of pitchers in this draft. And I know that he's a guy that when he's pitching, I'm pitching him. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm using him all the time. And there's just guys in this range that like I have a lot of question marks about too, you know, like what is, what is Justin Verlander at this point? I don't even have a clue. You know, Mike Clevenger, same thing. Ranger Suarez, same thing. You know, they're all going around here. So to me, it's like, I know Kershaw's a stud when he's pitching and we'll just see how much he does. And I'm going to fill a bunch of innings like later on and do all that. So that was kind of my thought on it. Uh, He's gone so far in 15 NFBC drafts. Earliest he's gone is 68. And latest he's gone is and latest he's gone is 243, so pretty wide range, ADP, 159, 15 drafts, and I got him at 180. So, I mean, it really, it, it's, like I said, to me, at least, it's all health. Mm-hmm. And you will just see how many innings he throws, but I feel good saying that he's going to be good when he pitches. He always is, you yes. know? So that's that was kind of my thought behind it. He's my SP4 and there'll be other guys that I'm using when he's when he's not in there.
0: So. As a dynasty owner, like I said, I hope I hope you get those innings. I you know, it's funny when I look at these pitchers around him, one of my first thoughts is the guy who I definitely would take over him that went after him is the guy you took two rounds later and that's Adam Wainwright. I just I I think I if Wainwright's going in the 14th round, I think I'm going to own him everywhere once again. Round fourteen signed me up. The guy's just innings, for,
1: for yeah. Me. I felt uh, I felt you on my shoulder when I made that pick. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, but took, yeah, yeah.
0: You took your second reliever and Blake Trinan. Um So you got Trinan and Duvall. There's a chance you might not have a single closer yet. But again, just like we said about Duval, Trinan is another really good bullpen arm who could close. I. You know, once again, I don't know where you're at with saves, but you've got two really good guys for ratios there at the very least. Assume, yeah, I, th-
1: I think with Trinan, it's just mostly going to come down to do they, do they bring Kenley back. If they do, then Kenley's probably the ninth inning guy, but we've seen... Kenley lose it a little bit at times and you just, you never know. I feel like Trinan's awesome. He's going to be close to saves if he's not getting them, and I think that there's a chance that, I mean, if he's getting them, I mean, he's as good as anybody. Yeah, Pull up his uh, spot page. Yeah, I mean, he's just, and again, in this spot of the draft, you know, it's kind of tricky, so you got to be a little creative taking relievers, but um, yeah, I mean, I like Wainwright too, SP5. I mean, with Turner, it was the high batting average kind of high floor and felt like that allowed me to take like Sanchez who I know is going to hurt me in batting average, but I expect power and stuff. Like, kind of set me up for some of those picks a little bit later.
0: And Sanchez isn't the drag, like as big of a drag as I mean, he hit two Oh five this year, but if you go look at the catchers around the league, it really isn't that big of a drag really in the grand scheme of things. And, I mean, your biggest fear with Sanchez is honestly that the Yankees get sick of him and make him a part time platoon player, but even then I think you're still getting enough value during the season to where yeah i don't i I feel better about Sanchez this year than I did a year ago
1: yeah the the thing with Sanchez that I'll always say or I've been saying I feel like for the past year at least, but everybody just all anybody ever says is he kills your batting average, but guess what? so does every other catcher that you're drafting in this spot of the draft. I mean, pretty much, you know, there's a few that maybe don't, but they're not giving you power, like the power potential that he has. So like, I know what he is. I get it. Like low batting average, a lot of power. I mean, there's a place for guys like that at catcher position. I mean, there's, I would have probably liked to get Zunino and Zunino went like the, round prior, but I mean, would I be that surprised if they flipped right back the other way? No, you know, it's just, so yeah, I know what he is, but I felt like I built the batting average around it to be able to take it. And like I said, I mean, like another guy I was looking at in this spot was, um, I think it was this spot. Yeah. Sean Murphy Mm -hmm. who went actually about seven picks later and. I mean, Sean Murphy's a batting average drain himself, you know? Like, there's other guys that are like that, too. And he was even losing playing time to Jan Gomes last year, later part of the year. So, they've got their flaws. I mean, kind of all the catchers. At least just, once, you get, once you get past the top several.
0: I was just listening to Rich and Tim on the Prospect 361 podcast talk about Sean Murphy. I, I didn't have him anywhere, so I really wasn't following him closely. But they were talking about how bad in the batting average department he was. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan VR, we, you brought him up earlier. He's a free agent again. His cost is definitely down from a year ago. I took him in the eighth round in that Rotomasters draft and hold last year. His ADP did drop as the offseason went, but where are we hoping he lands this offseason? I mean, my first thought is Baltimore
1: again. <laughs> yeah, just the worst team possible, hopefully. I mean, I it's with him, it's just one of those things you just – Hope he gets some playing time. The third base shortstop flex I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the speed potential is nice in this spot of the draft. But I get he's a little bit of a play. I mean, he's he's a playing time risk for sure. It just it depends on where he lands. But I think that I always feel like those dual eligible guys, especially the ones you can use at like corner infield, middle infield, they're just handy to have around. And um, I may not use him every week. I probably won't. Uh, but I think there'll be points too where it's like, yeah, he's, he's pretty valuable. So it's, he's kind of like just a hot, cold player. We know what he is.
0: You know where he needs to go. I just figured it out. I was trying to think of teams that are now sellers and dumping salary and all that stuff. He needs to go to Cincinnati put him at shortstop yeah. in Cincinnati where they don't really care about defense at shortstop anyways. I mean, they had Eugenio Suarez playing there for a good chunk of the year last year. Right. Just stick him at shortstop yeah, was... and let him play in that little ballpark for the for the year. So, that's my hope. I just came up with it. Put him in Cincinnati. Uh last thing, Yadi Molina always there to take, always like that too. Um, let's move on here to rounds 21 through 30. Try to move a little faster here as we're getting to the back half. Jeff McNeil, Diego Castillo, Carlos Carrasco, Carlos Santana, Wilmer Flores, De Lamette, Dane Dunning, Hae-seong Kim, or Zach Eflin and Aaron Hicks at round 30. So we're 30 rounds in here, Andrew, and still zero prospects taken. Were you even considering any prospects up to this point where you were actually, like, really considering it
1: on your pick? Um, Not really, no. Uh, The one, so just to give a quick rundown, at least of the ones that I can see or that stick out, Bobby Witt Jr. went in round nine. Huh. I've heard of him going as high as, like, round three or four it's just, it's just going to get crazy. I feel like, but he went in round nine in this draft. Um, Adley went in round 15 and when Adley went, I, I liked it. Um, more, more probably than these other guys. And it's a lot to do with the position. Um, I just feel like when he comes up, it's automatic. He's going into your lineup. You're not, it's just mindless. Like it's not even, it's just really easy. He's going in catchers bad. And he has a chance to be, I mean, he doesn't even have to be that great to be very useful in fantasy this year. So I didn't mind Adley where he went, but most of these other ones, like I wasn't even considering with, um, And, yeah, like, Julio Rodriguez went in round 20. I wasn't considering him. No, I just – I didn't – I'm kind of just trying to – especially in these draft and holds this year, I just want to focus more on at-bats and innings. And, um, like, I won't be that surprised if Julio Rodriguez isn't up till late in the season. So, yeah, I just – I don't know. Just not for me. I don't think And these, these spots, you, you learn more as you do these, like these picks are still pretty valuable picks. You know, you have players that are um, like Riley green went in round 21. I mean, like, I just, I just don't want that. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I think these guys are real awesome prospects. Like they're the top, they're the best of the best, but like when are they going to come up and then, and then on top of it, you know, if they get hurt when they're in the minors, they're probably not coming up at all because it slows their progression. You know, that stuff happens all the time. I just don't really want to deal with it, especially when there's good players on the board. And I feel like there still was. So I didn't really have much interest in most of them. No.
0: And when they come up, will they even perform? I mean, Jared right. seemed to can't miss last year and right. There's, he could still easily turn it around this year, but that was ugly for anybody that invested in him. Um, And Dylan Carlson, the year before, he didn't give a good return on investment for people who were in on him. I mean, it it happens with those guys, too, to where, yeah, I'm with you.
1: I think the best example, actually, and I'll probably say this more than once this offseason, but is Wander Franco. Mm -hmm. And, like, in one draft... I had Wander Franco this last year in one league. And I think I took him in round like 18 or 19. And let's be let's be clear. Wander Franco's the real deal. We all know it. He's awesome. Had a really good season. Tampa just
0: gave him a big contract the, yeah,
1: too. right. And here and here were his stats. 288 7 homers 2 steals in 70 games played. Now let me say this again. He's the real deal. I'm not like trying to slight what he did or anything like that. But even him in round 18 or 19, I forget what it was, wherever I got him, he he wasn't winning me a league. Like he wasn't doing any, like he wasn't boom value, like shooting to the sky and he was great, you know? So it really makes you think, I mean, like as great as he was, he didn't have major impact in fantasy this year, this past year. I, I didn't feel like, I mean, did you like, no, I mean, you know, I, I remember like If you just look at the numbers. I mean, obviously it's impressive for his age and all that, but.
0: I remember last off season, you were asking me a question about Wanda Franco. I don't remember if it was a draft I had just done, or if we were just talking about ADPs. But you asked me my thoughts on him going at, a, at the, I don't remember if it was ADP or this draft, but he went around like 12, 12 or 13. And I just hemmed and hawed, and I'm like, I get somebody doing it, but it's not for me. And I really felt that way about, I mean, I think this, I feel like this is a shift for you a little bit, because I think you were definitely, you were after a few more prospects last year than this year. I think I was off of the pro. Like I don't remember hardly taking any prospects in the first twenty rounds last year. I don't know if I did in a single draft. So just for for the reasons you're explaining, I really just I'm like I don't know how I feel. Like it's great to get that Ronald Acuna when they come up and they just set the world on fire day one, but it sucks when you take the Wander Franco and you sit on him for three months and get nothing, and then you get okay production for the last two months. And I think that's what people fall victim to.
1: Right. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, I mean, we all love prospects. They're fun. It's like you said, it's great when you own them, when they blow up and stuff. But it's not great when you have too many of them and you have other guys that are hurt. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're in a crunch. Like if you have, you know, say... A handful of or i mean it's probably a better example to use with pitchers but really any position and it's like you have so x number of players that are in the minors and then x number that are hurt and then all of a sudden your options for your lineup diminish to the point that you almost just are starting anybody that's active so i feel like that if you can cut down on that and limit, you know, it's different. If you know, a guy's going to be up day one or something, I get it. But with a lot of these guys, they could be up in April, May, June. You don't know, like, we don't know. Let's not pretend like we know when these guys are going to come up. It's kind of all over the board. And a lot of times the guys that come up are the ones you never thought would. I actually heard, um, I heard on another podcast that I want to say it was in 303 draft champions leagues last year, which is just like this one. I just did NFBC draft and hold 300 of them. Spencer Torkelson got drafted hmm. and he never played. He never came up. Yep. And I want to say in 280 or 85 of them, Julio Rodriguez got drafted,
0: mm-hmm.
1: never came up, you know, and even if they come up at the end, like, let's say they would have came up in September I mean, what are they really doing to like win you the lead? you know, it's just it's not that impactful and they really would have to go bonkers in that short period of time. So
0: Yep. It's much better to have the Carlos Santana's and Wilmer Flores, guys who can at least get you some innings and get you some at bats and Carlos, yeah, they
1: won't get Carlos Santana won't get you innings, but Yeah, he'll get, get you at bats.
0: <laughs> Jeff <laughs> yeah. McNeil. I mean These guys are going to be on the field. Han Seung Kim, you don't know that he's going to play every day, but you know he's going to be in there, at least. Yeah, with
1: Kim, with Kim, the reason I took him actually was he's second base, shortstop, third base, Mm -hmm. which I love that. And I had Tatis.
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good
1: point. I feel like God forbid the catastrophic injury with Tatis, Kim is probably relevant at least somewhat so good logic. that was part of it I, I think that if he's if he's playing he's got like the skill set that could be productive but I mean I also know that he's probably not in line for regular playing time at least not as of now so
0: my favorite pick of this group's Carrasco that was a fourth fifth round pick last year I love that getting him in 23 I mean obviously t- 2021 was not a great year for him with injuries and performance but I really like that one um. Okay, rounds 31 through 40 here, uh, just going to list them off. Ryan Yarbrough, Matt Manning, Bradley Zimmer, Alex Colomay, Jonah Heim, Kyle Farmer, Mitch Keller, Spencer Howard, Tristan Casas, and Tucker Davidson. So finally at this point, we see a few younger players in here, but still I see a lot of innings and at-bats mixed in. I want to start off with a prospect here in cases. Um, I was just listening to a prospect Three Hundred and Sixty-One podcast where Rich Wilson was talking about seeing him at the AFL and his quote was, he could be a star. He's and you know, cases spent most of 2021 in double a, and he did finish the year with a brief nine game stint at the end of the year in triple a. So a good chance we could see him in Boston this year. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's definitely a good chance. Um, I was kind of at the spot where I was finally comfortable with like, okay, I can kind of take a shot here. And, uh, I had at, at this point in the draft, I had bell Santana and Flores like qualified at first. And I was like, you know, if he comes up and goes crazy, you could, you could see a scenario where I'm playing him over those guys, but, um, it's probably going to take a lot. I mean, obviously it's, you drafted him here for a reason, but again, I mean, th- this is the other argument for like waiting on prospects too. If you want to take some, you can take them later and still get really good ones. I mean, uh, there was some other there are some other ones I was considering in like rounds like thirty-five to forty-five. I would say that went that. I mean, yeah, it, it may not be Julio Rodriguez, but at the same time, I mean they could get more time than Julio Rodriguez. It's not just about who's the better prospect. It's about who's going to play, you know? So, and I don't think we can say for sure that Julio Rodriguez is going to play more in the major leagues in 2022 than a lot of the prospects going down here. So
0: you just said exactly what I was going to go. I, I, I was literally going to say Julio Rodriguez. I would rather have than Tristan Casas in 2022. That said, the gap between them shouldn't be eighteen rounds. I mean yeah. I'd I'd much rather have Cases at that price than Julio. Just I mean, I feel like they probably should be going pretty dang close. And yeah, Julio Rodriguez has the buzz, he's the guy to go in round twenty and he could be a great pick. But definitely. Yeah. Cases definitely. could also be a great pick. I mean their first baseman's Bobby Dahlbeck right now, who I don't think is going to make it as an everyday player. I think he's going right down that Michael Chavis train, and yeah, I I think he's got a real good shot at being the starter there, not in the near future. So
1: yeah, it's two it's two things with these prospects. It's getting the call, and then being productive enough that you really matter. I mean, even Jared Kelnick, who hmm. by all accounts was like the top dog pretty much. I mean, besides Wander, he came up and was so bad that he went back down. I mean, so nobody's immune to that, you know? And if you're, if you're bad when you come up, I mean, you're probably going back down and I mean, any of these guys could, can do that. So yeah, I just think it's, I think it's good if you want to take some, and I, for the record, I don't think, I also think it's a fine strategy to just completely avoid prospects in these drafts, like Mm -hmm. don't even deal with it because it's a losing bet, you know, more often than it's not or whatever. If you feel that way, I totally get it. I mean, it's not a dynasty league. Like you're focused on one year and like, if that's the route you want to go, I totally get it. But I think there's an argument to um, even waiting to like the late stages of the draft kind of like this. So there was, there was some prospects that I liked that went in like the last 10 to 12 rounds.
0: Anything else to add on 31 to 40 here. Anybody no, else? No, not really.
1: I mean, I. Not really. No, I took Kalame. Uh, he's. The Twins declined his option, and I mostly did it because. So I had Duvall, Trinan, and Diego Castillo. Mm-hmm. I think Colome is going to be close to saves. He always is. He's either yeah. getting saves or he's right there. I actually wish I would have taken Naris, too. Because I almost took Columet and Naris at that turn for that reason. I think both yeah. of those guys. Narris was actually pretty decent last year. And I feel like that those guys, wherever they are, are going to be in the mix for saves. Agreed. Um, and, yeah, I just – I wound up taking uh, just Columet. But that was a lot of the reason I did it. I don't know what team he's going to be on or whatever. But I feel like he'll be – close to that
0: so it's, it's the walking sorry effect you know you took him what round 48 a year ago and by the end of the offseason he sounded like he was close to saves in arizona and he was going in the 20s and yeah
1: yeah you, yeah i like yeah that. if you can get those guys late i mean i do think there's a point with relievers where you have to be careful because like i could i could find relievers in this draft that went in round 28 that to me looked the same as a guy that went in round 48 so you got to be a little picky and like know where the drop offs are, or at least where you feel that they're at. But um, my tendency is it was to wait a lot. You know, once kind of around where I took Diego Castillo, I felt like it started to really drop off. And like I almost took Fairbanks when he went. It was like around around 30. But, um, yeah, I just kind of kept passing because I'm like, I know there's going to be flyers at the end that I can take a few.
0: So, speaking of the end, I'll read off your last 10 here Dalton Jeffries, Bruce Dark Gratterall, George Kirby, Oscar Mercado, Garrett Crochet, Jackie Bradley, Dom Nunez, Jace Peterson, Joe. I I don't even know how to say you, Joan Adon. I don't even know.
1: Works works for me. Sounds
0: good. And JB Bukowskis. I got that one. So, um,. Again, more more guys that I see for good for innings and some at bats. There with Bradley and Mercado, usually they're they're at least in the mix for at bats. Um, I like that finish again in terms of in the round forties, getting that many innings and at bats out of some of those guys, and getting your guy Kirby also in there. Anything to add for your end game here?
1: No, not really. I I paired uh, Mercado with Zimmer and. Bradley with Yelich and I figure that if one of the two is out there most days, then I'm gonna be you know, I just I kinda like that stuff in draft and holds. You it's almost like you're just it's like a handcuff type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't always work the way you think it's going to in your head, but that was kind of my thought process there. I've but yeah, um not too much. I I tell you what, <clears throat> I mentioned you probably didn't catch it because it's so. there's so many names on this board. But you know who didn't get drafted in this draft? Was oh. there anybody that like you happened to notice didn't? Or I mean, I know you got to look at a lot of names, but yeah, there was no, one I, guy.
0: There's not outside of I remember us talking and mentioning that Brent Honeywell wasn't drafted. I think that was one. You oh, should, yeah, right. No. Yeah, I actually
1: was looking at him right at the end. C.J. Abrams did not get drafted in this draft.
0: Does that surprise you? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that does surprise me. I mean he missed yeah. most of the offseason, and I don't know how he did in the AFL, the Arizona Fall League. Um but man, I'm
1: trying to think if I would. I probably I wouldn't. Saw, I saw I think there was there was one draft that somebody had sent me the board and he went in like round twenty eight or twenty nine, which I thought was crazy. Wow. And then there was another one. I think that was just told to me verbally because I asked and I want to say it was in the thirties somewhere. I'm and I was, no. I was think, I was thinking about it at the end. Um, but ultimately I didn't do it. I just wanted to take guys that I was more confident and were going to play. I, I thought about it partially because of the thing I said with Tatis and Kim, it's like, Oh, maybe if, you know, one of them was to break or whatever, but, um, I was kind of surprised, though, that nobody else did it. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I figured he would get taken there late. And I mean, I would even, like, if I did this again, I would possibly take him. I I just didn't want to have, um, you know, I basically took one, I took Cassis in round 39 and Kirby in round 43, one hitter, one pitcher. I didn't want to have too many of those guys because I just, I just didn't want to be in tight spots during the year where it's like this guy. I mean, I think there's probably a good chance that Abrams isn't up till August or September if he even comes up. So, you know, that was kind of why.
0: You know, I watched him play in double a here in Springfield during the season last year. And I just didn't see a lot of hard contact when I watched him and it was just one game. So who knows? But yeah, I don't think they're going to be in a big hurry. I, I mean, I don't gotta, either. Uh, they unless he's just forcing the issue. I think I would take him just in case he's forcing the issue. I would take him at the latest at forty eight or fifty. I think I would. I would. The other thing is him.
1: too is it's such a, like the roster's good enough that it's hard to see him, even if he's playing well cracking the lineup this year I just feel like it's going to be tough unless there's an injury I mean obviously if if one of these you know if one of their main guys gets hurt then you know maybe you see it but I don't know if they're going to be in a spot where it's like he's just going to come up and play every day I I don't know like I I don't really know how much I see it
0: when I look at their I was looking at their roster on roster resource when you were talking about Tatis earlier and Adam Frazier's right now in their lineup. I mean, that's a guy who, if he's struggling, yeah. or Trent Grisham, I'm like, I, c- I could see them If he, – he, he's got to force the issue. Yeah, definitely. But because they've got other guys they can plug in there if he's not forcing the issue and that one of those guys is struggling. They've got Kim and they can go trade for somebody else. So I'm not saying that he definitely would get in there if one of those guys struggled. But if he's playing incredibly well and maybe they start him at like, – I haven't paid attention to what he's done in the AFL, but maybe he played pretty well there and they'd aggressively start him at AAA. Maybe, but yeah. I, would, I would think he's starting it's next year
1: in A. It's a combination of factors, I think, that are going to have to kind of come together, you know? And, and is it possible? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I it just kind of stuck out to me that he wasn't taken, but like that said, I mean, it's... It's probably the later part of the year. And then is he really good? And is he playing every day? Like, there's just a lot of things I feel like that are working against him for this year. But I still obviously love him as a prospect. That's the, the, that's the only reason I even bring it up, to be honest. So
0: so wrapping this up here, uh, when you draft this early, you were the pretty much the first draft. You're learning. There's little to no ADP out there. So you're setting the standard in these drafts with your guys' drafts early on. Looking back at this, what was the most surprising thing to you about this draft?
1: Uh, Liam Hendricks going in round two. <laughs>
0: that's a good answer.
1: I don't know. Like maybe maybe that isn't really the answer. I don't know. The but, closers dry um, up
0: early. That could be it. And they're going earlier. Yeah, I think
1: I think that's. That's one of them. Um, I feel like that, like I said, that the pitching, the starting pitching, you can still build a good staff um, waiting a little bit like I'm just comfortable waiting a little bit more than I was last year. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't take an ace in the first round. I I possibly would, uh, depending on you know, where I was and the exact names on the board and stuff. But like, I don't feel as much pressure to get one in the first two rounds as I did last year. I think that's probably like my biggest takeaway because obviously, you know, everybody's got to have starting pitching, but I just, I feel like you can fill it out uh, later in the draft and, you know, like in round 11, I'm looking at this. These are the starters taken. This is round 11. So, I mean, you're looking at like SP3s, 4s, Michael Kopech, Zach Gallen, Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Luis Severino, and Hunjin Ryu. I mean, I feel like all those guys could be pretty good. Yep. Um, they may not they, – they won't all be pretty good, obviously. But um, – and you can even go further down than that. But, um, yeah, just I feel like that there's guys that – can pop up i mean we saw a lot of that this year and that may be influencing it some i mean but yeah a lot a lot of pitchers broke out this past year i think that's why it's deeper you know there's just there's just a lot of guys so
0: last question here now that you've done this draft what do you think you'll approach differently in future drafts this offseason
1: Um, I, if I had one gripe, I'd probably would, well, I would say my two biggest things would have been, um, I would have liked to have gotten a closer early, but there's a cost for that. Correct. And I think that like the man, when I took Manny at the two, three term, I still am fine with it. Like it's totally fine pick and anybody that does it's fine. But there's enough third baseman that I like a little bit later. I've heard a lot of people say that they don't like third base. And I've heard people um, say that too. Like I really, I specifically this year, like Matt Chapman, who's, who went in round 12, Justin Turner, who I got in round 13, and Josh Donaldson went at fifth. Uh, where did he go? Seventeen, eighteen. Turn. Um, I like all three of those guys where they're mm-hmm. going. Um, I don't, you know. Even Kyle Seeger went around nineteen. Um, there's just. It sounds like our greatest guys,
0: hits album as you're listing those guys <laughs> outside of Matt Chapman.
1: Well, there's just guys that yeah. I, I still like Chapman because I think his playing time is really secure with his defense and. I just I think he's gonna bounce back some. So, but I guess what I'm saying is, you know, even even guys like Bregman, Bryant, and Arenado went in round seven. I mean, I'm
0: looking at uh, Rendon in, in round AP eight right you know? now, and that so, just jumped out to me. I'm like, wow, Bregman at 91. I you know we yeah. we talked about him being like a maybe overrated because of his name, but I think I'd be pretty happy to take him at 91.
1: That's what I'm saying. So like. I like the Machado pick. I still am not like upset with it or anything, but I you know, if I did it again, I maybe I maybe wouldn't take him there just because of the stuff that I just said. So hmm. That's good info right there. I and yeah, you know. Like I I just can't help but think if I took Hader there knowing what I, you know, had said about the closers later and then was still able to get a couple of the the third basemen that I mentioned. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that would have been a better route. But that's – all this stuff that I'm saying is the reason I like to do it this early. You just figure those things out. And it's like I knew, you know, this probably won't be my best draft of the offseason. If, if it is, something's probably gone horribly wrong later. But, like, you just pick up on these things as you go through it, you know. And that's, like, it's just all – fun to me and it's good exercise and stuff like that. So.
0: Well, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, I learned a ton through just talking to you about this and looking at your draft. And, you know, what I like about it is you can – I mean, talking to you about it here and listen, you're giving good answers in terms of you you had a plan. You've spent some time thinking about this and, pay, like, doing your research. And I think you got – I mean, going in, you really – don't look like you've made too many, like, things to where it's like, yeah, I wasn't really thinking that through. You've got a good plan, and it's giving it's giving a lot of people listening to this some great info to take into their drafts before they start drafting. And, you know, myself included, because I got my first draft. We have our first draft coming this next Monday, the Rotomasters yeah, Draft Yeah, I was going to say, hold.
1: yeah. I'm going to be in it this year for the first time.
0: Yes. So, Chris Winder, who we always have right there as we finish the draft, it seems to be the Christmas podcast because we always record right before Christmas. We'll be getting him on again soon. But we draft him. We start this upcoming Monday. And we did more KDS. I think I'm picking sixth overall. And I think you were a couple picks behind me, like eighth or ninth, tenth, something like that in terms of where you were in KDS to make your pick. And yeah. I wasn't at all surprised whenever it was like one through eight were taken and you had it was your turn to pick. And I'm like, he's going to take 15 because he was one on this one.
1: Yeah, I think he said um, – what did he say? I think he said 10 to 15 were available or something. Something like that. And, yeah, I was just like, you know what? I picked at the front <laughs> in the first draft. I'm going to pick at 15 in this one. I, I kind of like pick I like I kind of like picking near the end or I don't know it, it's I don't mind it either way it's um I'm just still you know it be good cuz I I'm going to have definitely different guys at least at the top of the draft than I did in this draft so that's probably a good thing one, one thing I definitely and I would I will advise this to anybody just in general but If you play in a lot of leagues, like a lot of redraft leagues, I would strongly advise mixing it up at the top of the draft. Like, and it's mostly because, and I will fully admit this, I had too much Shane Bieber last year
0: Mm. and
1: I felt like, I felt like the process was good. Like I had my reasons, but when you take that guy that doesn't work out and you take him multiple, multiple times. I mean, I could have just as easily taken somebody else. Now, maybe granted he was the third pitcher going and it felt like the drop off was there, but you get it. Like if I would have flipped it and taken a hitter and then a pitcher or something, I did it. I want to say I did it three, four times where I took him cause I was picking right around nine, 10, 11, where he was going mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out. But I, you know, it may be something where say I'm picking ninth in this draft or in whatever random draft. And then I'm picking ninth again. And the same guy is there. I may, fl- I may flip like mix it up. I just, I, cause these guys are all studs, you know? And it's like, I just don't want to have a bunch of teams that have the guy that, that doesn't work out. I think if you de- diversify, I mean, you could still get guys later over and over, you know, if you, if you're taking the same guy in round 14, every round 14, 15, 16, whatever that's not going to hurt you as much if that guy doesn't pan out. So I just think it's good to think about that.
0: You were definitely giving me that suggestion last year. My first two drafts, I took Garrett Cole as my first pitcher, and I nearly took the same second pitcher. He was, I think, there in both of them, and I went different in the second round just going off of your advice. But, yeah, I I think that's a good point. I I had a lot of Garrett Cole this last year, and that worked out for me. But, yeah, if if Garrett Cole had been Shane Bieber, this – year would have sucked for a lot of my redraft leagues. So I think that's a real good point. So we're going to be back a little more often going forward. We've had our little break here. I know we've got some steamer ADPs I want to dive into, and then we're going to definitely have a podcast with – or probably two podcasts with Wender. Whenever we get him on, we'll talk about our Rotomasters draft and hold him. All three of us will be talking about our drafts. So we will be 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 around – and so I I hope every, everybody has a great Thanksgiving. What are you doing Thursday?
1: Um, I'm just going by my mom's. Yeah, they're cooking food and family friends coming over. So yeah, just doing that. Oh, they should be fo- pretty pretty chill with some football. Yeah, is there good some good games? I I mean
0: i have definitely I've been busy the la- last two Sundays. I got to watch a little bit this last Sunday, but the previous two. So I and my fantasy football team's going back sideways. So I'm really like not like I can tell my attention's getting less and less on it. What do we got? Who like
1: who well, are the Cowboys I mean, playing? I every, think the
0: Lions is a bad one.
1: Everybody needs some Bears Lions in their life. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, yeah, that's uh, a
0: that's a beauty.
1: It's Bears, Lions, and then Raiders, Cowboys,
0: and Bill's Saints. Jeez, the Saints are also ugly right
1: now, so I mean, we gotta have. No, yeah, they're all right, but yeah, it's that's probably the best game, I guess. I don't know.
0: We need Raiders Cowboy. Like, we need the Raiders not to bring out their bad Raiders. Have they been better the last couple weeks, or have they been bad? I really haven't. I don't even know. Raiders? Yeah,
1: they've been bad. They've uh, lost. They've lost like
0: two or three in a row, I think. Uh, not looking good for Thursday. We could just get a whole bunch of <laughs> trash then. <laughs> so well. In that case, I just... If only
1: only there was baseball on, right?
0: Yeah, maybe that's what I'll do, is I'll just instead pull open my Plex and watch the 2011 World Series. I could be in a much better (laughs) mood. (laughs) maybe. If it goes bad, I will. Okay, well, I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving, and we'll be back soon. And until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys.